And more specifically, we've been talking about bridge, or grace being that bridge between who we are and who we want to be. It's the way that gets us there. So we've learned a lot about grace in terms of the saving grace that we have at work in our lives. When we come to Christ, it's only by grace. When we're saved, it's only by grace that we're saved. And then we've also talked about that sustaining grace, that grace that continually gets us through life, that grace that continually helps us through situations we never thought we could get through. And it's that sustaining grace that keeps us going in the midst of all the things we were talking about just before and all the things we're going to be praying about on Wednesday night. All the things that we see going on in our world, it's the sustaining grace that keeps us going, even though things may not look all that great. And so we're continuing with this series in grace, but this morning's title is Who Tripped You Up? Who Tripped You Up? Now there's this man in, in 1934, an impoverished pros, uh, prospector named Jacobus Yonker, walked across the small, a small farm in South Africa. The recent rains had washed away much of the top uh, silt, and he searched tirelessly, just looking for anything that might have washed up as the, the heavy rains came. He slogged through the mud, and he caught a glimpse of an oddly shaped stone about the size of a hen's egg. As he wiped away the mud, he saw that this wasn't just a rock. Three days later, he sold his rock for a fortune. It was a 726-carat diamond, and it became known as the Yonker Diamond, one of the most famous gems in history. 726 carats. Imagine carrying that around on your finger. What do you think this man did with that diamond over the next three days? You think he showed it to everybody? Think he told everybody exactly where they could find it? Was he casual with this diamond? Of course not. He did everything he could do to protect this diamond so that no one else would take it from him and get the money that he was going to be getting for it. And we do the same thing. We have things that we cherish, and we go to great lengths to protect them. We install security systems on our homes and our cars. We insure things. We protect the things that we value. Now, in today's lesson, as we talk about the church in Galatia, we begin to see that they had something of great value, but they didn't recognize its value. And so therefore, they did not protect it in the way that we would normally protect things of value to us. They didn't protect the things that were passed down to them. They didn't protect this jewel in their lives, this pearl of great price. And of course, that thing that we're talking about this morning is grace. They didn't protect grace at work in their lives. You see, if you're not paying attention, you can learn all about grace and what grace is all about but not live in that grace that you know about if you're not actively protecting it. You see, the Apostle Paul had preached the gospel of grace to the people in Galatia. That's where we get the book Galatians from. It was his letter that he wrote to the Galatians after he had been there already, established a church. This church was loving and growing, and God was doing all kinds of great things in this church. And they began to realize that they weren't saved by their works. They didn't have to do certain things to somehow be saved. And he taught them that, that they, they're not saved by the law. They're not saved by doing particular things. They learned that they cannot earn their salvation, just like we cannot earn our salvation. But they did not guard the trust that was placed in them. They forgot about the power 
of grace in their lives, and they began to believe a different gospel. So this is the reason for Paul's letter to the Galatians. This is the reason Paul put pen to paper and said, you know what, I need to make sure that they get back on track. They're off track. And as we will see, this letter not only fits the Galatians, it's not only fitting for what he was speaking to them, but it's also fitting for today's church. It's also fitting for us. Because just like we have been learning, Paul taught the Galatians that they were not saved by works, that they could never earn salvation, that they could never do enough to achieve it. They learned about God's saving grace, and they learned about God's uh, sustaining grace, and they learned about putting them, God's grace, putting them at right standing with him and who he is. Paul taught them that this sustaining grace was going to be able to get them through every tribulation, every trial, every time they were persecuted, God's grace would be there to help them through it. But then seemingly out of nowhere, they allowed a different gospel to sway them. They understood grace, they were living in grace, they were walking in grace, but suddenly a different gospel had gotten into their teaching. They didn't protect it. And this morning, my fear is we go through this series, and as we learn about grace, is that we would understand what grace was, but then not be living in it, and find ourselves back on the same track of trying to earn our salvation, or trying to do the right things to be saved. You see, we can receive God's saving grace and forgiveness. We can learn about his sustaining grace in our life. And if you do not protect those things, if we do not protect those things, we will be following a different gospel. We'll find ourselves off track. So when you read this letter to Galatians, and I encourage you to read it, we're going through specifically the next two weeks, we're going to be on Galatians chapter 5, if you want to continually review it and just read it over a few times before coming in. But you get the sense that Paul was a little ticked, a little angry, a little upset at this church at this point. In his mind, he must have been thinking, why don't they get this by now? I taught them all the right things on grace. I taught them what grace was all about. But yet now they're reverting back to what they used to do. Why don't they get this by now? I wonder sometimes if God looks down on his church, universal, not this church, but all churches, and looks down on churches thinking, you know what? Why don't they get this? My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. And yet they're still trying to work their way into the kingdom. They're still trying to do the right things and think that that's going to earn them a place in heaven. That's going to help them to be saved. So what was the false gospel? What were the things that they were beginning to to learn about that were just off track? What was a well-meaning group of what the scripture calls Judaizers? Men that claimed that they had been with the apostle James and that Paul had gotten it all wrong. That in fact, there were certain things that they had to do to be saved. You are not saved by grace alone. You have to do things to be saved is what they were teaching. You have to follow the law to be saved. You must be circumcised like all good converts to Judaism. They're all expected, they're all expected to do that and so are you. You see, the Judaizers want us to believe that we're somehow missing something, that we would be more spiritual if we just followed a certain set of rules and standards and laws, if we just practiced a certain law. 
So the, Gal the Galatians leaped off the path of grace. They were on the path of grace. Suddenly they found themselves on a different track behind a gospel of works. And it made their gospel about something that they do rather than something about what Christ did. It made their gospel about what they do rather than about what Christ did. Many churches have fallen into this trap. Some of you might remember, we'll call it back in the day, where churches had lists of things that you can and cannot do in order to be saved. You cannot be a Christian if, fill in the blank. You cannot be a Christian if you smoke. You cannot be a Christian if you drink. You cannot be a Christian if you go to the movie theater. You cannot be a Christian if you watch Walt Disney. You cannot be a Christian if you have a tattoo. You cannot be a Christian if you vote for this particular candidate. You cannot be a Christian if you listen to that kind of a pastor or that kind of a speaker or watch that news source. Is that what our salvation is based on? Is it based on our works? Is it based on whether we have a tattoo or not? Because that's going right back and taking us off track from the track of grace right back to legalism. Making other things, adding things to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. I'm going to read it from three different translations so that you can kind of get the full effect of what Paul is speaking to this church in Galatia. Galatians 5, 7, I'm going to read from New Living Translation first. You are running the race so well. <laughs> Who held you back from following the truth? In the NIV, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And then from the message translation, you are running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? You see, you were doing so well. And that's what Paul is asking. You were doing so well. What happened? Who messed it up? I believe that Paul was pretty upset that this was happening and he wasn't there to try to do something about it. But it's interesting that Paul asked the question, who held you back? Who tripped you up? Not what tripped you up. He's not looking for a circumstance or a situation. He's looking for a who. Who tripped you up? Who kept you back? Was it the pastor who fell? The pastor that you were following? Fell into a life of sin? Did he trip you up? Was it a fellow believer in Christ that you say, they're hypocrites? Did they trip you up because you saw the way they lived and it didn't match the faith that they professed? Was it a particular teacher, either in the church or outside of the church, that maybe spoke negatively to you and told you it never amount to anything? Was it a parent, a family member, a co-worker, who tripped you up this morning? Who is it that continually holds you back from running the race that God has placed before you and take you from the track of grace to the track of legalism? To take you from one place that God is trying to take you and you're going a different direction on a different track. Who messed up your race? Who cut you off? When you think about a track and field, Everybody lines up on the, on the line, and 
the race that I ran was a 400-meter dash. So the starts are staggered, you know, because the inside lane has a little bit of a shorter run, so they're further back. And when you're on the outside lane, you're way ahead, of, at least seemingly, way ahead of everybody else until that gun shoots and you start running. But in a race like that, everybody has to stay in their lane. You're required. If you get out of your lane and go into somebody else's lane, you're disqualified. But often in the long-distance races, however, you could, if you got, had just a, a little small space that you could cut somebody off, and get in front of them so that you can try to win that race and stay as much of that in, inner lane as you could because that was a little bit shorter versus staying in that outer lane. So at the perfect moment, you would try to find a way to cut over so that you can gain some advantage there. Maybe some of you haven't run a race and track, but you know what it feels like to be cut off while driving. Someone pulled out right in front of you or merged very close to your bumper. How did that make you feel? What did you say? Now, there are children present, so please keep that to yourself for the moment. What did you say in that moment? How did it make you feel when you were cut off? Confessional. <laughs> so the Galatians, they were running along well. They were growing. They were growing in grace. They were growing in the grace that Christ had gave to them. They were running at a good pace. And then all of a sudden, they were knocked off track. Now, even if you haven't been knocked off track from grace and legalism, you've been knocked off track at one point or another in your life, because we all have, where you were going well, and suddenly things changed. Suddenly you're not going so well anymore. And Paul is trying to fix this from a distance. He saw the things that were going on. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 says this. So Christ has truly set us free. In other versions we'll read, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Now make sure that you, everybody say this, stay free. Make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery of law. Listen. I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised or insert any other thing in there that you try to do to please God, if you're counting on not going to movies to make you right with God, if you're counting on not doing certain things to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit for you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation of the law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. So who cut in on you? Who cut you off from Christ? Who caused you to fall away from God's grace and begin looking at yourself again, your own way of salvation? So it's interesting here when you read that first verse where Paul says, Christ set us free. Don't get tied back into slavery. Don't go back there. Stand in freedom. 
Other versions say, don't get entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to that place and get tangled back up into that junk again. Because under the law, people depended on their own actions. They depended on their own effort in an attempt to obey the law. And to go back to the law would be the equivalent of an adult trying to climb back into a crib. It's not a pretty picture. An adult shouldn't need to go back to the crib. So he said, don't become entangled again. That's the key word here. They had formerly been ensnared by idols and even idol worship. Also referred to in different translations as heathenism. And even those idols had a set of rules that they had to live by. There were certain sacrifices they had to make at certain days to appease those idols, to appease those small g gods. And they were in slavery to the customs and practices of their former religions. Now, why would they return back to a form of law that didn't save them any more than what they would have been saved if they just continued in their pagan ways? It brought them right back to slavery. It brought them right back to bondage. You see, our God is a God of grace. And if we revert to legalism, we place ourselves under a yoke. We place ourselves under a bondage. We destroy that bridge of grace that he's created in our lives and the things that he's given us that gives us that bridge across the gulf. We destroy that, and now we try to cross it in our own effort. But Jesus says in other places in the New Testament, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, the yoke of bondage is not easy or light. But Jesus saying, my yoke, if you put my yoke on you, you won't even feel it. Why? Because it's guiding you. It's not controlling you. He will see you through. And he has given us a bridge to cross that divide. So I like Paul's words here where he says, you have fallen away from God's grace. You have fallen away. You knew God's grace. You knew how it worked in your life, but now you've fallen away. And Paul is saying to them and to us, your salvation is based on what you do rather than what Christ did. That's what he's saying to the Galatian church. That's what he's saying to us to be careful not to fall into that trap. We don't want to fall from grace and fall flat on our face before the law. Christ is the means of our salvation not you, and not me. If you're depending on the law to save you, there is no need for Christ. You have been cut off from him. And let me say this this morning, cutting off, being cut from Christ is not where you want to be. It's not where you want to live, my friend. Salvation apart from Christ means that your faith is inoperative. It's of no effect. It paralyzes your spiritual growth. You are severed from the vine of Jesus Christ, like we heard from last week, about being severed from the vine and not producing fruit. That's what happens, because when a vine tries to break away from the branches, from the root, from Jesus Christ, he is the vine, we are the branches. When it begins to break away, no fruit will be produced. And it goes on further in John 15, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can produce no fruit. Apart from him, there is no salvation. 
He is the way, the truth, the life. There's no way unto the Father but through Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. Is this perhaps why churches are bearing no or little fruit? Have we made salvation about doing the right things on the outside, voting for the right party, going to the right church, following the right pastor? Paul would say to us, as he did to the church in Galatia, you started out so well. What happened? What tripped you up? Or more specifically, who tripped you up? You see, the fall away from grace is to depend on you to save you. That's a losing proposition. When you're depending on you to save you. And Paul calls that bondage. He calls it slavery. You see, it's tragic when a believer in Christ, after having made a good start, becomes hindered, becomes cut off from Christ. And we have to be aware of Satan's attempts to try to hinder us in our race. You see, the Galatians were being hindered in their spiritual life because they went by, back to trying to earn their salvation by what they do. The Galatians were making progress in their faith and growing in grace, and then they began to listen to false teachers. They were now listening to another voice. We must guard ourselves from this influence of false teachers because their gospel spreads quickly. If you continue to read in Galatians, you'll see he talks about them as being like yeast and dough. When I was in high school, I worked for a donut shop, a small uh, town called Geneva on the Lake. I worked at a place called Madsen Donuts, and we, we, I made the dough, and I learned how to make donuts, and we had this big bowl. It was just big. We, we mixed everything by hand, so I didn't have a big mixer. And you'd put all the ingredients in, and you begin to put things together, and then you'd get your hands in there and just begin to knead that big bowl of dough. And at the end, you also put some yeast in there, and you, and you try to get that through the entire batch of dough. And then you'd leave it sit for a little while, and you'd watch that dough begin to rise. Then it was ready. It was ready to begin rolling out and making the donuts. Time to make the donuts. And when you think about how those kind of false teachings permeates the church, how quickly it grows and begins to expand, you might think even just of in, the, in the world we're living in today, you think of COVID-19 and how quickly things spread from person to person. And it seems to have, you know, easily passed through. Well, false teaching spreads even faster. Galatians chapter 5, verse 10 gives us a little hope because Paul is now speaking to this church in Galatia. And he says, I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. See, Paul is confident that this church in Galatia, they're going to get back on track. They're going to figure it out. They're going to see that legalism isn't the way to go. They're going to see that God's grace is sufficient to save them. They're going to see that God's grace is going to help them through each and every circumstance and situation, that it's going to continually sustain them through whatever they face. And if you find this morning that you are off track, if you follow a different gospel than the gospel of grace, you can find your way back to. You see, grace saves us. 
Grace sustains us. Grace gives us strength. And when we leave out grace, we cut ourselves off from Christ. And we are relying on our own abilities to be saved. So we as a church, we as a nation, believers in Christ around the world, need to get back to grace, back to salvation that doesn't have to be earned, back to grace that sustains us. Because it's in this grace, as we're going to talk about more next week, it's in this grace that you begin to truly learn what freedom is all about for you, what freedom is all about for me, what freedom is all about for his church. Let's get back into the lane of grace. Let's not get off track. Let's not be hindered in the race that God has called us to run. Paul would say the same thing that he said to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. I would add to that, trips us up, entangles us, cuts us off, or holds us back. Same language. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. You can get back on track. You can run that race with endurance. You can throw off the sin that continually trips you up from running the race that God has for you. This morning I want to speak to two individuals there may be some hearing me today that would say, you need to experience God's grace and forgiveness in your life. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's returning back to Christ because you've walked away for a while. Know that God is willing and open to receive you once again into his arms. His forgiveness is for you. His grace is for you. You can have a new start and a new life today. But then there may be others of us here in this room where we've been cut off. We were running along so well, but another believer cut you off. A situation cut you off. Life cut you off. There may be other things that got in the way in your race that hindered you from running the race. You know you've not been perfect and none of us have. But there are things in your life that you wish were not there. And so this morning, you're either somebody who needs to get on track with the grace of Christ or to get back on track. You need to experience God's saving grace once again, or maybe for the first time. You need to experience his forgiveness once again, or maybe for the first time. Every one of us need new life. If you would like to accept Jesus Christ into your life and receive his forgiveness and grace, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Everyone just bow your heads, please, and just pray. And again, the words aren't magical, but what matters is that you mean this in your heart. Lord Jesus, please forgive the sin in my life. Give me a new start. If I got off track, help me to get back on track again. I want to experience your grace at work in my life today. Come into my life and make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you. If you said that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're returning to Christ, there's a free app that you can get on your phone called YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version, V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And you can search 
there's a search function there. If you just type in first steps for new believers, you can do this reading plan that will help you in your first steps in that decision that you just made for Christ. And I think that's important to take, that today was a first step, but there are more steps to take to continually grow in your faith and continue to grow in grace. If you're near us, I want to encourage you to come visit. This is a, a great loving church, people who would love to see you and gather around you and show you God's grace. And if you're not near us, find a church near you. I think that's important. This is just a first step. It's not the final step. Find a church near you that you can attend and continue to grow in your faith. Now, next week, we are going to talk about being free in Christ. But what does that mean? Are we free to do whatever we want? In other words, we are free from the law. But what are we free to? What are we free to do? How does that freedom work for us? Next week, we're going to continue in Galatians chapter 5 and learn about the law and being free from it. Let's everyone stand this morning as we close. I want to read again the passage that we just read a few moments ago, and I want to encourage you with this next week to run the race that God has planned for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So I want to encourage you in this next week to go and to strip off every weight that holds you back from your race. If that, rate, if that weight is sin, ask for forgiveness today. Ask God to clean you and change you and make you new and begin to walk in that grace. The, go this week and don't let anything sneak in and trip you up or cut you off, but live in the grace of Jesus Christ. And then go and run your race with endurance and keep your eyes on Jesus. In Christ alone, we place our faith. Jesus, the champion of our faith. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.